started. Hare Krishna. I welcome all to Everyday Chant Conference Call. Today we are very fortunate to have Her Grace Jaisri Mataji from New Vrindavan, um, USA to enlighten us on verse 10, chapter 14 of Canto 5. Hare Krishna Mataji, please accept my humble obeisance. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and Guru Maharaj. Uh, whenever you are ready, please take over the call, Mataji. Okay. okay. Sorry to disturb you. I request all the devotees, please keep your phones on mute so that we can hear Mataji and interrupt her. Thank you, Hare Krishna. Yes, thank you. Last time we had a problem. <laughs> all right. Good morning, everyone. All glories to Sri Guru and Sri Guranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. All glories to all the great souls. All the assembled devotees, we are fortunate to have a wonderful morning surrounded around by devotion. Divine Grace. So again, I can see only three people out of seven are muted. Please mute um, 
it's so much easier not to hear people coughing and things and whatever could possibly go on in the background. So Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya <clears throat> So first of all, my apologies. I've been doing tours at the palace um, and Tuesday I had like five or six tours right in a row. My voice is very strained and yesterday I had tours also. So um, please forgive my raspy voice. <clears throat> So, we are reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 5, Chapter 14, Text Number 10. Um, Shamarasika, would you like to do the Sanskrit? Yes, Mataji. Can you hear me? Mm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Kvachitskarda <laughs> Vibhranshita smriti stajaiva mariji toya prayam tani vabhidhavati. Hare Krishna Mataji. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kavachit sometimes sakrit once avagata vishaya vitai taya becoming conscious of the uselessness of enjoying material sense gratification. Sayam himself, para by the bodily concept of life, oh, of the self. Vibham sita destroyed, smriti, whose remembrance, taya, by that, eva certainly, marichitoya, water in the mirage. Paryena, similar to, tan, those sense objects, eva, certainly, abhistavati, runs after. Translation. <coughs> the conditioned soul sometimes personally appreciates the futility of sense enjoyment in the material world, and he sometimes considers material enjoyment to be full of miseries. However, due to his strong bodily conception, his memory is destroyed, and again and again he runs after material enjoyment, just in his, as an animal runs after a mirage in the desert. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. The main disease in the material life is the bodily conception. Being baffled again and again in material activities, the conditioned soul temporarily thinks of the futility of material enjoyment, but he again tries the same thing. By the association of devotees, a person may become convinced of the material futility, but he cannot give up his engagement. Although he is very eager to return home back to Godhead. Under these circumstances, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is situated in everyone's heart, compassionately takes away all of the material possessions of such a devotee. And as stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Yasaham Anukhanami Harishyatad Danam Sanai. Lord Krishna says that he takes everything away from the devotee who he especially favors when that devotee is overly attached to material possessions. When everything is taken away, the devotee feels helpless and frustrated in society, friendship, and love. And he feels that his family does not care for him any longer. And he therefore completely surrenders unto the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord. This is a special favor granted by the Lord to a devotee who cannot fully surrender to the Lord due to a strong bodily attachment. As explained in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya Lila 2239, Ami Vijan A. Morke. Asaya Kena Deepa. 
The Lord understands the devotee who hesitates to engage in the Lord's service, not knowing whether he should again try to revive his material life. After repeated attempts and failures, he fully surrenders to the lotus feet of the Lord. The Lord then gives him direction, and attaining happiness, he forgets the material engagement. So, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishnaprasaya Bhutalashima Tibakti Vedanta Swamani Tumamani. Namaste Saraswati Devi Gorbani Pacharani Niyavise Sasanyapari Vashtati Deshtari. Om Agana Timurandasya Gananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Navitamhena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. Sri Chaitanya Mano Bhistyam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Srayam Rupa Kadamayam Dharati Svapadantikam. Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Jitapadakamavam Sri Gurun Vaishnavams Cha Sri Rupam Sakrita Tam Sahagana Ragana Tam Tam Sajivam Sadaitam Savadu Tam Parijana Saitam Sri Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakani Tamscha. He Krishna Karna Sindudina Bandu Jagatpate Gopesa Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate. Tapta Kancha Nagorangi Radhi Vrindavani Sri. Vrishabandu State Devi Pranamami Hari Pri. Vanshakapati Vashakripa Sindhubaya Pachapati Tanampavanabhyo. Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namo. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhupada Sri Daiti Gadadhar Shabhasiddhi Gopakta Vrinda. So, here we are, hearing about ourselves in this verse. The living entity who is engaged in devotional service, who hears and understands something about our predicament, who wants to go back to Godhead, but by like a magnet drawn to metal, we continually run after this material creation being absorbed in this bodily concept of life. It's such a difficult situation to be in. Prabhupada says it's like the, the mirage on the desert. The animal is just forced to run after it and we're in a similar circumstance. The verse explains how the living entity is sometimes in a very strong bodily conception of life, although he knows that the kingdom of God is there and he understands about devotional service. But he returns again and again to material engagements. We hear in our histories, like the Avanti Brahman, once he understood you know, he had, he had been a miserly person, hurting so many people, his family, and uh, and then what happened? <laughs> you know, Krishna was kind. But once he understood, he, he stayed in that consciousness. Some of us don't have that, that great opportunity that Krishna takes everything away. So we go back and forth, back to the material energy and material engagements and and then to our spirituality. And the Purport Prabhupada says that this type of case, the Lord sometimes takes everything away from such a surrendered soul. And in doing so forces the living entity to take shelter of Krishna himself. Although he was not in this condition of life. The Lord took everything away from him. Right? So Srila Prabhupada talks about himself also. Right? He said that he he had that opportunity, he met a spiritual master, he was given an instruction and it said, according to Prabhupada's chart, that he would be one of the richest men in India. And so Prabhupada was trying his level best to make money in his business so that he could do the preaching work and go to you know, the Western countries and preach. But he says in different places that Krishna 
did not let that happen. That Krishna took everything away. It actually happened uh, several times, right? Srila Prabhupada uh, had a, a good, a thriving business. And uh, he lost his business. He was plundered by his uh, servants and his employees. And at other times, like, his manuscripts were taken and sold for paper. You know, so many things happened to Srila Prabhupada. And he says that Krishna has made this arrangement for him to fully surrender. And I have a friend. He's a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. And he did, he, he, he did quite a lot of service in his younger days. And then he got into a business. It was a little bit of a shady business, not exactly the most legal. I mean, it wasn't extremely illegal, but it was kind of in the gray area. So he was earning like $4,000 a day with this business. <clears throat> and uh, so, you know, he started using his money. I know he was supporting Inder Swami's program. But then at a certain point in time, he just lost his footing. He had all this money. He was going to the temple chanting his rounds every day, and then he lost his footing. And the material desires just grabbed him. And he got into using his money for intoxication, for gambling, most likely for women. And after a few years, he took on a partner, a business partner. Of course, trying to increase his wealth. Not that he needed to. Um, and it just so happens that this business partner totally cheated him out of everything he had. And because he didn't... You know, sometimes when people do illegal kinds of businesses, they don't think... Or when someone wins the lottery, they don't think to invest the money in good businesses. They don't think to, to um, you know, buy properties and things that will prolong the wealth in a more organic way. So he was one of these people. He just thought, well, I have all this money and it's going to continue forever. I'm going to get a new partner and I'm going to expand everything. But what ended up happening was he just lost everything. And because he hasn't, hadn't invested in properties and different things, he, he had absolutely nothing. He went from $4,000 a day to like $800 a month on Social Security. And then Krishna took away his health. He had some. He had to go to prison for a few years, and then he had some kind of back or neck problem, and then he had an operation and it got worse, and then he had another operation and it got worse, and then finally I think he had the third operation and he was like completely bedridden. So, you know, Krishna, but he was much more chanting in the Association of Devotees, listening to lectures all the time. You know, he was taking shelter of Krishna. So when, when Krishna favors somebody, I guess he was favored by Krishna. Krishna really de definitely took everything away. And he's older, so who knows how long he's going to live. So Prabhupada... He, you know, we know that he gave up his family life. He went to Vrindavan, he took sannyas, and he was living at the Radha Damodar temple. And uh, he was translating into English the, uh, some of the Vedic literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, to, with the idea to come to the West. And he wrote a, a poem. It's actually a very a very long poem, and I didn't realize it was as long as it is. <clears throat> but we've heard the beginning of it. It's called Vrindavan Bhajan. Written by, 
A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, 1980, no, 1958. Verse 1. I'm sitting alone in Vrindavan. This mood I am getting many realizations. I have my wife my sons, my daughters, my grandsons, everything. But I have no money. So they are a fruitless glory. <clears throat> Krishna has shown me the naked form of his material nature. By his strength, it has all become tasteless to me today. I gradually, this is a quote, I gradually take away all the wealth of those upon whom I am merciful. This is what Krishna says. How was I uh, able to understand this mercy of the all-merciful? Verse 2. Everyone has abandoned me, seen me penniless. Wife, relatives, friends, brothers, everyone. This is misery, but it gives me a laugh. I sit alone and laugh. In this maya samsara, who do I really love? Where have all of my loving fathers and mothers gone to now? And where are all of my elders who are my own folk? Who will give me news of them? Tell me who. All that is left of this family life is a list of names. Like the froth on the sea water mixes again in the sea. Maya's samsara play, samsara's play is just like that. No one is mother or father or personal relative. Just like the sea foam, they remain but a short time, just as the froth of the sea water mixes again in the sea. The body made of five elements meets with destruction. How many bodies does the embodied soul take in this way? His relatives are all simply related to his temporary body. Verse 4, but everyone is your relative, your brother, on the spiritual platform. This relationship is not tinged with the smell of Maya. The Supreme Lord is the soul of everyone. In relationship to him, everyone in the universe is the same. All of your relatives, brothers, all the billions of jivas, when seen in relationship to Krishna, are all in harmony. Forgetting Krishna, the jiva desires for sense gratification. And as a result, he is firmly grasped by Maya. Verse 5. As a result of past activities, he takes on different types of body. Absorbed in that dress, he remains forgetful of Sri Hari. Therefore, Maya gives him so many of these miseries. And although he bops up and down in the ocean of misery, he still thinks that he is happy. Lying on a bed, suffering greatly, having been sick a long time. I am very well today, he says laughing. I get a laugh out of his feeling very well. This is the way of the soul conditioned by Maya. And it says well. Anyway, this poem or writing actually goes on to encompass, which I had no idea. I thought it was just one verse. It's 27 verses. It's amazing. I had no idea it was so long. <laughs> so we see that with Prabhupada's renunciation, and his taking steps to follow more concentrated without family life, his instruction of his spiritual master, we see that Krishna is showing him a certain vision of life. And we sometimes get this vision also, especially when we're sick. You know, we're miserable, our mind's not working right, our body's not working right. We take shelter of Krishna more and try and become more serious, realizing how miserable we actually are. And at other times, when we're so-called feeling good, 
and we're having you know this family get together and that phone call from the granddaughter and you know a, a friend that we can go shopping with or something that we want to buy and so we see a dress so many things we're we're so still absorbed in this maya that we forget but sometimes we get very sick or things get taken away or there's so many problems in our life i mean i mean realistically here we are sitting in america or wherever in a nice house with electricity and a computer listening to a class uh, thinking about our breakfast and what we're going to do today it might be a sunny day nice beautiful weather you know but think of all the hundreds and thousands of people on the same planet that don't have food or shelter or money or medicine you know it's just such an illusion that we pad our mind with that we're happy it's not a place of happiness it's a place of misery and krishna shows us that naked form of the material world sometimes and it's scary look at what happened to arjuna arjuna was on the battlefield and he krishna showed him his universal form all the living entities rushing into his mouth being crushed by his teeth and you know arjuna was extremely fearful because that's where we are we are somehow or other sunk into this material world it is not a good option to stay in the situation so Prabhupada in a room conversation he talked about maya the meaning of maya maya means instantly forgetfulness of god and in the Srimad Bhagavatam 7th canto maya means illusion it is this kind of sense gratification has no practical meaning it is simply temporary flickering but they have invented a type of civilization full of activities simply for the matter of sense gratification so it's our nature we're like the animal running after the illusion in the desert it's our nature to run after sense gratification and in our conditioned state it's inevitable it's like you have to have enough salt on your food to eat it to live life we have to have enough sense gratification to a certain point but it's not our goal but we're surrounded by so much sense gratification and i'll bet that the people that are in the miserable condition of life with not enough food with not enough facility for their life turn to god more than the people that are in this mirage of material sense gratification having so much money and time and facility and opportunity for the you know the trips the water parks the parties uh, so many things you know so we ourselves have to become serious and of course here i'm preaching to myself we have to become serious and give up those things that are unfavorable for our krishna consciousness and embrace those things that are favorable and that way we're going to make some progress so in a letter to upendra prabhupad said it is a known fact that maya is very strong but one who associates with krishna in the above mentioned ways which i didn't write that down maya can also show no strength or maya converts herself from maha maya to yoga maya so this is what we want right we want to go forward with our krishna consciousness enthusiastically and inspired and in a fun way 
Our movement has so many wonderful festivals and opportunities for sense gratification, but at least um, with the protective covering of Krishna consciousness. We eat well, we have festivals, we dance, we chant, we have wonderful association, we have gift shops with wonderful things that we buy for our deities, clothes, crowns. You know, it's fun. It's fun to dovetail our propensity for sense gratification. And we see the great examples of the past. Well, Prabhupada himself, he had that austere life before he established ISKCON and it started to grow. But even after, even after it started to grow and expand and there was so much money coming in, did we ever hear of Prabhupada? Oh, I'm going to go shopping for new kurtas and new gold necklace and I'm going to buy a house that I can live in and chant Hare Krishna or I'm going to have a Learjet so I can travel all over and be special. I don't remember any case of Prabhupada shopping at all. You know, he was so... It's so much in our face how Prabhupada was. But we don't always really get it with the opportunity for sense gratification that Prabhupada had. He lived such a simple life. Yesterday I was doing a tour at the palace, and of course the palace is super opulent. You know, gold leaf and fancy designs and painted ceilings. and It's just a fantastic work of art. And this one man who was in the crowd, he said, you know, I don't understand. If you say your spiritual master was so renounced, why did he need this fancy palace? And I said, well, first of all, he didn't request it. And, and if he had still been alive when it was built, of course, the palace was started as a simple house for Prabhupada. It was not started to have all the stained glass and this fancy gold leaf. And I, I, I don't believe that was the plan. But when Prabhupada passed away and they decided to make it into a memorial, if you go up to the palace and take a tour, you're inside a hallway that's stained glass. But if you notice on the wall of the building itself, there's all these windows going to the outside. Now, if someone makes an enclosed hallway, do they put windows on the outside? Probably not. The windows were there because it wasn't supposed to be an enclosed hallway. It was just going to be an open-air veranda. And the windows were there to keep the cold out and the, you know, rain. So when he passed away, and they made it into a memorial. They enclosed the hallway and put all the stained glass in and everything. So, first of all, the building wouldn't have been as fancy as it is now. I doubt very much. Maybe the temple room. But also, Prabhupada never lived there. And if the palace had been finished, he might have lived there a, a month, a week. He was traveling. Prabhupada was on the go. He was not going to stay in a place because it was fancy. We know that. I personally moved into the Fisher Mansion, um, which was, I mean, the palace is fancy. The Fisher Mansion, I have to say, is more fancy. It's a huge building made by Fisher Fisher is a was an extremely wealthy man on the um, level of the Fords, and this Fisher Mansion was actually his playhouse when he wanted to have a party, a ballroom dance. The Temple Room in Detroit Temple is the ballroom of Mr. Fisher, and I lived in that building for like a year or something. The bedrooms were so big. <laughs> it was funny because we moved in. Here we were living in a regular small temple, uh, all packed up. 
And uh, of course, in those days, we all slept on the floor in a sleeping bag. No question about that. And we had enough possessions to fit in a suitcase. So we went from this one simple building moving into the Fisher Mansion where the bedroom was so big that like 15, 12 or 15 or something like that of us slept on the floor one after another. That's how big it was. And the bathroom was just amazing. You know, the whole Fisher Mansion is just like an incredible work of art. And... Uh, much older than the palace and much more well made actually. The palace was made by amateurs and it's definitely crumbling here and there. We're just finished. We just finally got the domes up yesterday and they look just beautiful. Um, they're up temporarily and they're going to be replaced with the, with the final product that will be sent over from India at some point. So Prabhupada wasn't at all after all of this material stuff. So, uh, Prabhupada knew that the Maya that most people are in is not what will make them happy. And that Yoga Maya, that changing that connection to trying to please ourselves with a million things, to trying to please Krishna, helps us get out of our material illusion and into the service of Krishna. We want to change our illusion and our reality to be servants of Krishna, not servants of this body and material life. So Prabhupada knew how to do that, how to get us attracted. And Prabhupada himself wasn't wasn't in need of all of this. And this man yesterday, he he asked me, well, if, if your spiritual master was so renounced, why did he need this palace? And I said, he didn't. I said, but what brought you here? I said, you needed the palace to come here. You needed the palace to hear about Prabhupada and, and get books and get into a mood of devotion. I said, you came for the gold. You came for the um, swans and peacocks and stained glass. I said, it wasn't Prabhupada. And he laughed and he said, yes, you're right. So um, somehow or other we've got the real deal. We've got Srila Prabhupada, who was definitely not only a pure devotee, but also a very advanced pure devotee. Someone who wasn't going back and forth between material maya and illusion and Krishna consciousness. And many, you know, there's so many devotees in our movement. But not everyone, if if at all anyone, is on that, that platform. I'm sure there are, and all, all respects and glories to their wonderful advancement. But many devotees who even have positions, even have titles, uh, guru, sannyas, it doesn't mean that they are perfect supremely advanced living entities with no material desires. And we saw this in the past when Iskan, when Prabhupada first left and the, the 11 gurus became sort of replacements for Srila Prabhupada. They were great souls, they were wonderful souls, sincere souls, but they really weren't on the platform of Srila Prabhupada. And, and we want to be careful not to think that because someone has a certain title that, they, that they're the same. Because they are a sannyas, Prabhupada was a sannyas, they're the same. It's not the same because someone's a guru and someone else is a guru and Prabhupada was a guru that it's all the same. We want to understand that there's different levels of pure devotional service. 
because when somebody thinks wrongly, then if something happens to that person that they're thinking is on the same level, uh, an Uttama Adhikari, and then they fall down, then life is devastating for them. There was a book called The Spiritual Master and Disciple that came out after these incidences happened. And it was just explaining that there's different levels of pure devotional service. And, and it's good to have that knowledge. We already have the great examples from the past. We already have Rupa Goswami, Sanan Goswami, uh, Nartam Das Thakur, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. We have so many great souls. And amongst us, we have so many great souls also, which is our great fortune. But we want to educate ourselves to understand that uh, just because someone has a certain title or position doesn't mean that they are seeing Krishna everywhere, know their relationship with Krishna and are pure devotee, um, you know, able to see past, present, and future. You know, there's different degrees. And that we, so we need to educate ourselves in that way too. And we ourselves need to go on. And when we fall down, pick ourselves up. And, and and be as sincere and serious as possible. We don't know when it's time for this body to be finished. Today, tomorrow, who knows. And we can't do anything about it. But we can be happy and inspired and enthusiastic about our service and run forward to find Krishna. These verses that we've been reading recently are very strong, very heavy, and and it's good. It takes away our our illusion, even if it's just temporarily. Our eyes get open and we go, oh my goodness, yes, this is very serious. But at the same time, we have we have ISKCON, we have so many wonderful books, so many great literatures, so many great souls to associate with and hear from. It's our good fortune. Krishna has given us an opportunity. And if he takes everything away at some point, then we, we've heard that it's his kindness, his compassion. Actually, recently myself, with my health, I was, you know, I'm someone who's generally very healthy, running around doing a million things. Everyone always says, oh, you do so much, oh, you do so much, wow, at your age, you do so much. And then um, all of a sudden, it's like totally smashed. My health was like, horrible, you know, dizzy, high blood pressure, nausea, um, sciatic, <laughs> just like so many things all at once. And I was thinking, my God, Krishna, you're just like taking my, because my health, my service is like running around doing things. But Krishna had another plan for me. And uh, with the demise or, or semi-demise of my health, you know, your eyes open and you go, wow, yeah, it's really a lot of suffering in this world. When you can't eat, when you're fearful, your blood pressure's over the top, you're thinking I'm going to have a heart attack, you're... You know, there's you you realize your foul your, how fallible you are, and that I was listening to a lecture Radnath Maharaj, and he was saying, you know, it's not how much we do. It's not like if I run from cutting flowers, making vases, 
doing something for the devotees, going to a program, and I'm running here. I got to finish my rounds now. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna. You know, it's not like a race. And sometimes my mentality it puts it in that perspective. You know, it's not how well I can do something or how conscious I am of Krishna when I'm doing it. It's how much I can get done. And so Krishna has kindly taken my ability away. And then Sachinanda Swami came and he's talking about chanting. I realized, you know, my chanting, I'm getting my rounds done, but am I really doing it right? You know, am I really chanting? With intention and concentration? No. So, you know, Krishna gives us opportunities to correct our our devotional service. And here in the in the purport, Prabhupada's talking about by the association of devotees a person may become convinced of the material futility. So that's us. But he cannot give up his engagement, although he is very eager to return home back to Godhead. So we're we're in that situation. I know it says in the Bhagavatam, and unfortunately I cannot tell you where, that there are two kinds of people that are very happy. One is the great fool, and one is the liberated soul. But the conditioned soul that's endeavoring for his spirituality, his spiritual life, is in a precarious situation because he's not there yet. He's not pure enough. Um, He's like, Prabhupada compared it to the the edge of the ocean, the shore of the ocean, where the water comes up, covers the sand, and then recedes, uncovers the sand with water. And uh, we're like that. Sometimes we're Krishna conscious, sometimes we're not. We're conditioned souls still. So we're, we're edging forward in this struggle for existence going back to home, back to Godhead. And it's glorious and it's fun, but it's very serious at the same time. So we want to always keep that gravity. Right? That's one of the qualities of a great soul. He's grave. He's not frivolous in his actions and uh, thoughts, his mind, his, his deeds, his words. He's grave. So we have to consciously go forward with gravity and seriousness and 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 optimism we're not bad we're not demons we're we're conditioned souls that are trying to become krishna conscious and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to do wrong things and we're going to hurt people we're going to hurt ourselves by our foolishness but you know, if we just pick ourselves up and keep going, then we'll get to the end some point. <laughs> you know, there's nothing but hope as long as we don't make offenses. That's that's the that's the bad. That's the no no. <clears throat> when you have children, you say no no no. You don't do that. You don't hit Johnny or Bhakta baby (laughs) you know you don't hurt somebody so we have the no-nos don't you know we we get chastised but we go on it's just like a slap on the hand Krishna puts us in the corner and then gives us opportunity so now COVID kind of seems like it's getting a little more mild but then in some cases I know the product that we make um, it's not made here it's made in Taiwan but the business is here the primal strips vegan jerky Um, yesterday I heard that the whole manufacturing 
operation has completely stopped in Taiwan because all the people are sick with COVID. Taiwan's a very crowded place. I've lived there for six months. And so there's no manufacturing of the product that we sell going on. So, uh, you know, COVID's not over by any means. But anyway, so now there's more festivals. They just had the Sadhu Sangha. And of course, many people got COVID there. Uh, we just had a retreat with Sachinandan Swami. I haven't heard of any cases because of the retreat. But anyway, we're in a peculiar situation. But still, there's so many wonderful activities for us to participate in. So I think I'm going to stop there with thoughts for the day of how we can move forward enthusiastically and positively and at the same time know that our materialistic endeavors are kind of fruitless. <laughs> All right, anyone have any comments or questions or additions or please? You'll have to unmute yourself to talk though. Hare Krishna Mataji, Dhanut Pranam, Jai Prabhupada. It's wonderful to hear nectar from you. I missed the last couple. I was away, but I was missing the association of devotee and the nourishing classes. Yes. I'm glad to be back. Nourishing classes. We're glad to have you back. Yes, we're so fortunate, aren't we? we yes, Mataji. Maybe not near a temple, but we can turn it on and... Also, I know I've said it before, but the Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library is a website put together by Tulsi Das and a bunch of devotees, Adoita Charya Prabhu, Damodar, and uh, that has a, a stream, a free stream and download of Prabhupada's books with the purports read by Damodar. Um, there's some cooking classes, there's some things for children on there, some little videos and stuff that have been put together by Tulsi Das, who has financed the whole thing at quite a lot of expense. Um, so please, if you haven't already, get it, uh, the app on your phone, uh, Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library. And, you know, when you're in a crowd or in a car or in a line, uh, you know, you can listen to the books, Prabhupada's books. Or it's it's a really nice service that he's done. Actually, it's a wonderful resource, Mother Mataji. I came, uh, came across a couple years back, and I uh, put down. It has uh, everything, Prabhupada's purport, translation, and uh, everything is there. And it's Every such a uh, nice, and it has all all the books uh, in the audio format. Yes, I love I love it. And it's free. It's free. It's free. It's free. It keeps yeah. you track how far you are, and it's all all the time on the go. Yeah. I love that. That's so so wonderful. Uh, we have unlimited uh, streaming of you know all all the books of Sri Prabhupada. Now he's somebody who was very active in his youth. He was one of the original temple presidents of the L.A. Temple, I believe. He established with a couple other devotees the Laguna Beach Temple. He had a major hand in developing the Denver Temple. And then he went to South Africa. He was also in Bombay for a, a short while. But he went to South Africa and he was one of the major players. Not financially, he didn't have money. I mean, he was a, a an engineer. He used to work with, uh, what is that big aviation company? Not Lockheed, but there's another, Boeing. You Boeing, know, he was an engineer. And then he met the devotees when he was young, uh, whatever, 23. And uh, he left everything and moved into the temple. And when they went to start either the Denver or Laguna Beach Temple, I mean, they had absolutely no money. They went there, I think they just had one vehicle, and they just figured it out and did something, made some money, got an, 
you know, rented a place. But he, um, not with his own money, but when in South Africa, he was one of the major players that had that Durban Temple built. He talks oh, wow. about it at work. He talks about, you know, how uh, it was paid for before the building was opened. Yeah. It was paid for, and they had a huge farm, and they had cows, and they grew their own food. You know, it was it was wonderful. Now he's almost 80, and he bought property in New Vrindavan about 20 years ago, I guess. And uh, he sold all the all the people that lived down this one lane. That was his property. He bought it and divided it and sold it. And, um, you know, he's been very successful financially. But he lives like someone with no money. He gives all of his money to to projects for preaching. I know he's given over a million dollars to the TOVP. Anyway, he's he's a good example in many ways of someone who's got a lot of money. He doesn't ever do anything. He doesn't go anywhere. You don't you know, he goes to town once a week and buys some groceries. But he's not ever out doing, you know, oh, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go there. And he's not him at all. And now he's, you know, at the, the last, he's got a bad heart right now. Anyway, some prayers for him would be good. But he's a good example, you know, what you can do when you have a lot of money and different ways, you know, you start projects for preaching. He recently had an idea He's always thinking. Krishna gives him all these ideas. The Bhaktivedanta Vedic Library was his idea. And it just came to him. These ideas just come to him and then he embellishes on them. So he's looking at property and Vrindavan, major property, to buy. And you know how they have the the eco-village Mumbai, uh, well, it's outside of Mumbai, Rana Swami's Govardhan eco-village. You know, he wants to do something like that, buy this property and have paths that people can walk on. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of acreage, too, like 200 acres. Or Anyway, he's someone that's got a lot of great ideas. And he's not thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to die. I'm going to go back home, back to Godhead. He says, I'm not going to go back to Godhead. I know it. I'm not qualified yet. But I hope I get to take birth and you know, in a rich family in this place and in India, I'm aiming for India to be so I can get back into, you know, he's got such such a nice consciousness. <laughs> anyway. That is right. wonderful to, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Uh, about the, such a nice devotee, Mata is such a dedication and he's humble. Yes, he's humble. Very nice. Even though he has done so much, but he still thinks, you know, he's not qualified. Well, he he doesn't feel his consciousness is warrants going to Vrindavan, you know. So he, he, you know, life after life, it doesn't, just because we've been around a while and done a lot of service doesn't necessarily mean we're qualified to enter into Vrindavan in the spiritual world. But we are given the opportunity in the future to participate in Krishna's service again. So we're, we're nothing but good fortune ahead. All right, anybody else? It's almost it. Hare Krishna, Mataji, Tandur, Pranams. It is always very living and uh, makes a, a connection listening to you. Um, and then so many examples that you have stated today uh, are so wonderful. And uh, as you are saying, the last point, like it never guarantees that... Uh, how much ever we do, we will go back to Vrindavan and uh, always desiring to go back and being humble and uh, uh, that keeps us grounded and uh, you bring to us many uh, devotees uh, of Srila Prabhupada and uh, uh, how they served um, and then 
it is so nice to hear always. Thank you so much for giving your association to us. Oh, no, I'm honored. Thank you very much. Wonderful class, Mataji. You always give so nice uh, interactions with Sila Prabhupada and his disciples, you know, that inspires all of us so much. So thank you so much. And Mataji, what is the name of that Guruji uh, who is doing, who did the Bhaktivedanta library online that we use all the time? His name is Tulsi Das. Tulsi Das. Yes, Tulsi Das. I'm sorry? Does he also live in New Vrindavan? Yes, he's about a mile down the road. He's got a very beautiful house on the hillside that is also an office. Um, it was it was made as he was going to build a uh, like a spa. It has a big uh, sauna and whirlpool that's never been used because the business didn't uh, didn't fructify. So he started another business. 